This is the Data Science Conversations podcast with Damien Dehan and Dr. Philip Diesinger. We feature cutting-edge data science and AI research from the world's leading academic minds and industry practitioners, so you can expand your knowledge and grow your career. This podcast is sponsored by Data Science Talent, the data science recruitment experts. Welcome to the Data Science Conversations podcast. My name is Damien Dehan, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Philip Diesinger. On our last show, we discussed the amazing work that Peter Diamandis' XPRIZE Foundation are doing. Specifically, we talked about the AI XPRIZE, which aims to accelerate the adoption of AI technologies in solving some of the world's most pressing social problems. That prize was sponsored by IBM Watson, and 147 teams from all over the world battled it out over a five-year period with a first prize of $3 million US dollars. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please do check it out. However, today is the follow-up conversation where we talk to one of the three finalists of that AI X Prize. And our special guest today is Arnon Huri Yafin. He's an Israeli entrepreneur who is the founder of a company called Zap Malaria. By way of intro, Arnon's undergraduate degree is in economics, and he has also spent four years as a lecturer in statistics at the Hebrew University. Then between 2010 and 2011, he worked for the Israeli Securities Authority on regulation of the stock market as it relates to market concentration. From there, he joined Site Diagnostics, who specialize in machine vision-based blood analysis to deliver malaria testing at scale. He started life there as an algorithm developer and then led the biology team and clinical studies as their director of research. In 2016, he founded Zap Malaria, a startup whose mission is to eradicate malaria. Arnon, we're delighted to have you on the podcast, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So if we start with your personal journey, Arnon, could you tell us how you ended up working in both AI and in the field of malaria eradication? I have two answers. One is a personal story, which is just my friend took me there. And another one is poverty. So let's start with poverty. Poverty is a horrible thing. And this is something I understood at a young age. And I learned economics my goal was to be an economist in the context of uh, developing countries and specifically African countries because if you just manage things better, they can be better. Then I started my MA and just before finishing the MA, a friend called me and told me that he is starting a company that is dealing with malaria. And I knew that malaria is a huge problem in terms of public health. It actually kills people and not only kills people, but also a, a, a lot of other damages. But also malaria is one of the primary reasons for poverty. So it's actually because of poverty, yes, if, you, if your house, the quality of the house is not good enough, so you have more mosquitoes in the house. But it also causes poverty because if you don't show up to work, if your children don't go to school, people don't know that, but one of the primary reasons why children in Africa don't go to school is because of malaria and this obviously connected to poverty. So, so it because of friend from high school, they just uh, Yossi Pollack that started the site diagnostics 
and because what I wanted to do, which is tackle poverty. I read somewhere that you made a trip to India and you saw the, the devastating impact of malaria there. Could you briefly give us an overview of the impact that had on you? So when I worked at the site diagnostics, I uh, led clinical trials uh, of the malaria diagnostics device that we developed. Uh, and we did it in public uh, hospital in India, in a city called Mangalore in Karnataka and Mumbai. So in India, you have some places with a lot of malaria and other places without. I was in an area with a lot of malaria. I, I'm kind of nervous parent. When my children have a, a, a fever, I, I kind of lose it. But then you see a, a moms with young children, very feverish, the children very feverish, and they're scared because it's not only fever that will pass tomorrow, it's malaria. And when I saw that, it's kind of sharpened me the difference between malaria diagnostics to malaria elimination. Because in many countries, malaria was a problem, and specifically in Israel, it was a big problem. And they eliminated it, mostly in the 20s and the 30s of the last century. And the way they eliminated it is by targeting the stagnant water bodies, where the Anopheles mosquito breed. So if you say you have such a big problem, but it could be fully eliminated, so why don't we do it? This is what caused me to, to say, okay, diagnostics is very important, but I want something more radical. How can we recreate the success of malaria elimination that's done by many countries, Cyprus, Egypt, part of Brazil, and take it into modern Africa? Is that why specifically you founded Zap Malaria? Exactly, exactly. Zap Malaria is about, let's move from malaria control to malaria elimination. And why the moving from control to elimination takes artificial intelligence and data? So when people tried to treat water bodies in Africa, they did it in partial success. And the reason is you just have wide areas. So people use, you know, house here, house there, and a lot of water bodies because you just have a lot of rains. And then also monitoring the operations is very difficult. One person you send people to the village, but you don't know exactly whether they scan the north part of it, the south part of it. And then we know that the way to eliminate malaria is by treating all of the water bodies. You know, it's very similar to COVID. If you vaccinate 90% of the population, you are successful. And if you vaccinate only 60 or 50% of them, you still have COVID. Yeah, so same thing with the malaria, but not with vaccination, but with stagnant water bodies. You need to reach very high percentage, and this is very complex operation. And what we understood that the way to uh, manage such complex operation is to understand and see what happens. And for that, we need to digitize it. So with our system, every field worker, when go in the field, he, he goes with a smartphone, and the smartphone shows him which water body already sprayed, which didn't, which uh, uh, should be sampled, which areas should, should be scanned, which houses should be sprayed. So we know everything, yes, everything that happens. And this is how we get this thoroughness and I would say perfectness of uh, having all of the water bodies. Yeah, just, just a little. So this is super interesting what you're telling us. Yeah, very fascinating. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper in, into some areas. Yeah. So Damien asked when we started or when you started SEP Malaria, yeah, your friend called you up, they had a project. Yeah. How, how do we envision this? Did they have like a concrete idea already? Did they have a team? How did you start this up? Where were you when you when you started the company? My, my friend is from site diagnostics. Yes, yeah? so 
My friend called me to join Site Diagnostics. He was founder with three founders, and then they asked me and uh, two other people to join. And together we, we started a, a Site Diagnostics, which is about using machine vision to diagnose malaria. Around 2016, I moved from malaria diagnostics in Site to malaria elimination in Zappen. So there were three of us, uh, th sorry, three of you at the beginning. Yeah? And what were the backgrounds of the other two? So one is uh, came from uh, Mobileye. One did his postdoc in Harvard. Two actually did their postdoc in Harvard about uh, using uh, new technologies to detect uh, bacteria and other uh, microorganisms. And then together, as a unified their knowledge to detect malaria in the blood. So you had a diverse set of skills when you started out, yeah. And then when you started out, did you have a very concrete idea already? So you said there were two researchers involved from Harvard. They must have had previous experience, right? And this initial idea that you had, is that still what you followed up in the end or did it change over the process of building it out into an applicable solution? Mostly we stick with the original idea. Obviously, we learned new things and, and, and changed things a bit, but, but yes, same idea is still with us. That sounds interesting, yeah. So so you stuck with, with your original ideas. You basically came together more or less to implement it and to turn it into reality rather than to do a lot of research, right? Yeah. So you started out uh, this company, you said in 2016, I think. Is that correct? In, in 2016, yes. So uh, can you explain a little bit how the company has grown, how the project has grown over time, also a little bit how you got investors attracted to it, uh, how you grew the team and so on, and then how you kind of started realizing your idea. Yeah, you probably had to find partners in African countries, basically, where you could work, communities that you could work with. So maybe start a little bit with the team so we can get a feeling for how that has grown and then Go in, we can go a little bit more into the practical aspects of you know how to test the research in the field. Our team is a, now with six people, machine learning, software, public policy, and biology. Site Diagnostics was the first investor. And then we got also grants because in our area, it's not very easy to get investors because only few investors understand how to operate with governments. They prefer startups with B2C, or B2P model where they uh, uh, sell to direct consumers or to other companies over B2G. And for us, it's important to, to find VC, which know how to engage with governments and specifically African governments. So in the first stages, we, we, we used grants. So we had a collaboration with, with great scientists from UK, including Andy Hardy. Together, we operate in a Zanzibar. We are funded by uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And what we do there, we use also drones to map the water bodies. So we fly drones over Zanzibar, together with the government, obviously. And then we make the mapping faster and more perfect. So this is one grant, and we had other grants. And now we have the, the prize money, the $3 million, and this is significantly improvement for us and now we will increase the team. You asked also a very good question about partnership with African countries. So here we have two, two routes. One route is the professional one. So we just go to conference, malaria conference and speak with people and explain what we do and find interested uh, partners. And then we worked in Ethiopia, in Kenya, uh, in Ghana. And the other route 
which we start to explore now is to go to the ministries. So you go to the Minister of Health and then propose what you have. Can you explain what's the core idea that you had to combat the spread of malaria, right? So if I understand correctly, it has to do with identifying uh, stale pools of water. Yeah, you already mentioned that you use drone technology, for instance, to use that. Yeah, uh, The price was also given to you by exceptionally uh, innovative use of artificial intelligence. Yeah, So maybe talk us through what's the core idea. Yeah? How, do you, how do you prevent the spread of malaria? So in the past, the best solution to fight malaria was treating the, the stagnant water bodies. But today in Africa, most countries prefer the bed nets. So you just uh, uh, give people bed nets and then they sleep with bed nets over their head. And it's very, it's, it's good thing. Yes, it's protect the people, but it's like, you know, like put mask against COVID. It's partial protect, uh, protection. It's really depend on a, a, a coverage. So, so many people. Yeah, it's not fixing the root cause. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we want to take the, the, the old and good method, but uh, uh, we should apply it in Africa. And to apply it in Africa, you must overcome two problems. One is coverage. You need to find all of the water bodies. And the second one is budget, because you don't have uh, uh, money to, you know, to scan every single square kilometer in Africa. So based on satellite imagery, topography, rain data, we, we tell when and where to scan for water bodies. And this is how we make the operation cheaper. And then with the mobile app, it's about coordination and monitoring. We make sure that every part that we that the system decided to scan, the field workers actually scan it. Because if I ask you now, five people go and, I don't know, for example, if you based in specific university, go and search for your, your university for all of the water bodies, you miss some. Yes, because you don't know where you already visited and you don't know where your a, a team member visited. And we did a, a, a randomized trial where we show that without the app, people miss around 30% of the water bodies. And with the app, they just find them. So, so it's about thoroughness. So you, you're basically saying that using satellite uh, data and then also artificial intelligence, you can pinpoint people much more precisely to those water bodies that need to be treated then, right? And by increasing this threshold, this, this coverage, basically, you can eliminate malaria better. So what was the idea initially? So how do you scale this across a continent like Africa or so, right? You, still, you said you're six people now. You recruit workers in the field locally or how does it work? So it's about finding a, a, a local partner because our a, a core knowledge is about software and about biology. It's not about project oversight, yes? And then you, you should find partner. It could be government, Ministry of Health. It could be big NGO. It could be local com company that want to fight malaria that, because local companies in Africa do it. And, and then when you find partner, they are the ones that hire the people that go around and spray water bodies and spray houses and everything. So you are, you are bringing the technology. They are bringing the, the people basically to make it scalable then. Yeah, yeah, we bring technology and we also bring knowledge about uh, which agent to put in the water body. And so, so we have experience because we did it once in one country, then we go to new countries. So we, 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 we can share our, our knowledge. And you already mentioned satellite data. There's obviously a lot happening in that space at the moment. Can you talk a little about which kind of data that you're using and how you're using the satellite data? One of the challenges that we had 
is, is, is about resolution. Because if you have big water body, you just see it from the satellite imagery, and then it, it comes kind of a, a standard machine vision problem. And, and you have also a, a, the near infrared a channel where water is very distinct. Then sometimes you have water bodies which are smaller than your, your resolution. So then it's not about finding the water bodies, but about saying that some area is suitable for water bodies. This is interesting because if you go to look at something smaller than your resolution, the context becomes very important. So, for example, if it's very close to Big River, so Big River, you don't have malaria mosquitoes in it because it's not standing water. But maybe around the river, we'll find more water bodies, more standing water bodies. We started by having kind of small neural network that will detect only what we want to detect. But then we understood that we should use larger network so that we uh, get better usage of the context of the area. Uh, And with topography, it's also similar because in topography you have, and this is even not artificial intelligence, it's it's more traditional models of topography. So you have water obviously go from high area to low catchment. And then you can understand that it's not only the absolute height of specific point on the map, it's also how how it relates to other points in the area. And we use both traditional uh, models of topography, but also just put it into neural network. And again, if you give it more area, it just works better. So you mentioned uh, you're using convolutional neural networks basically to identify areas where there could be water bodies. Yeah. Uh, what are the inputs for those models? So you mentioned satellite data, but you're not only using visible light channels, but also infrared, anything else? So it's satellite data and then topography and also land use. It might be just someone that analyzes other satellite imagery, yes, but we have it as, as a, a data set. We also use rain and humidity. And for that, a, a IBM Watson, as part of the prize, not only they gave us the money, they also helped us in machine learning project. And they focused on the temporal part of it, yes, because what the bodies are not only were, they are also when, obviously, in the starting of the rainy season, you find many more water bodies, and then after the dry season, in, in the dry season, they evaporate. But based on the exact amount of rain and humidity and temperature, you can predict it better. So this is something else. So that's quite a sophisticated modeling that you're doing there already. For the data sources, are they open source, or do you have to buy this kind of data? This is something up to the country, because... You have free satellite imagery uh, uh, produced by the European uh, Union, but you also have high-resolution satellite imagery that you can buy. This is something we uh, help countries to to get decision to to understand like the pros and cons of each. Just with our limited uh, resources, until now we mostly focused on the low-resolution part because we guess that it will be. A, a more convenient for uh, many of our potential customers. We need to, to have more experience with the high-resolution uh, satellite. So then, so you have basically then this model that takes all of this input data and then predicts where water bodies could be, and that information goes then through an app to the workers in the field. Is that correct? Yes. So, so we have one more, more layer, which is about locating the houses. Because if you have wa- a water body in the middle of the jungle, you don't care. So 
because mal- malaria is actually something that transmitted from person to person. And the mosquito is only the vector. And then if you have mosquito in the middle of the jungle, you just don't care. So, so we have one component that map the water bodies, and then one component they map the houses. And then the last component is about a, a proximity of houses to areas that potentially have many water bodies in it. And then based on that and based on the allowed budget, we define where to scan for water bodies. And then we have one more component that j- just uh, uh, take it to the, to the mobile app, as you, as you just said. Because the field workers, for, for them, they see, they see it as tasks. And uh, so these workers, what do they then do, right? So they take the app, they take the information, they go to these locations, and then they treat the, the stale water bodies with chemicals, or how does it work? Yeah, they search for the water bodies. If we found water bodies from drone or from satellite imagery, we just direct them, but they can also report water bodies from the field. And this is important because this is how we feed the, the system. It's machine learning. Yes, we need, you, you need to feed it new data. This is one thing. And then they treat the water bodies. And treatment of the water bodies, in the past, they use chemical to do it. But it's not a good thing to do, yes, because water bodies, you know, cows drink from the water bodies and goats and sometimes even people. And, and, and today, the World Health Organization have very strict uh, regulation about which materials you can uh, put to the water bodies. Mostly we use uh, biology agents, which is called BTI. And the good thing about BTI, it doesn't affect people, it doesn't affect cows, even frogs. It's only mosquitoes and black flies. <laughs> and believe me, it's a good thing to kill mosquitoes and black flies, not only those that transmit malaria, but also those that transmit dengue or river blindness or other uh, uh, yellow fever, yes? So uh, uh, it's very uh, environmentally friendly. Can you talk about some specific uh, use cases or field tests that you did with communities? One interesting thing that we've done is NGO in Ghana. They fight malaria in, in their town and in the villages around it. And they were very successful before us. They, they spray all of the houses and, 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 and a lot of education. Education is also important. So people use the bed nets and go to doctor if they have fever. And they want to push it to zero. And then they uh, uh, approach us. And together we implemented a, a operation against the water bodies, as I said. And the very interesting part we managed to reduce more than 60% of the mosquito population in the town and the villages. So it was a, a controlled trial. In some areas we treated, in some areas we didn't, and we compared the impact. And the interesting thing was that we did it only in 20 cents per person protected, which is extremely low. So other intervention costed them, let's say, $5 per person protected. And, and the good thing about that it allows us to, to use it more, yes? So we did a 100 days intervention, but because it's so cheap, we can do whole year intervention and we can lo- enlarge it to more villages. And one more interesting operation in uh, Ethiopia, where we worked in, in few villages and we mapped the area. And then we learned a lot from this operation because we saw they have different uh, uh, fields. So they grow teff. You know what is teff? It's, it's kind of bread, but better and they have a, a, a corn for example and we not only scan the area for water bodies but also map it for which specific agriculture they use and we learned the correlation so for example in the teff uh, fields they didn't have any water body 
good for uh, Anopheles mosquito for malaria. While in the grazing area where the cows were, we saw hundreds because we, we know now the importance of using uh, land use. So it's not only about how the God created the land, it's also about how people use it. They tell you the chance of finding water bodies. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So how does the collaboration work? Do you, do you have to be in the field when you work with these, with these people in, in Ghana, in Ethiopia, or is this like a remote uh, collaboration? I'm a big fan of being in the field. It's about user experience. It's about science. It's about uh, quality of training. It's about understanding the, the specific problems. And so in each of our operation, even during COVID time, we visited, except from one in Kenya where because of COVID we didn't make it. We collaborate. So for example, in Ethiopia, we collaborated with uh, Dr. Abebe Asale, which is a, a, a Ethiopian great scientist. And then you just learn a lot from, from such partners. And the, so you mentioned already these field operations. Yeah, How do you uh, measure basically how successful you are? You have two measures. One is about mosquitoes. So we catch mosquitoes. We don't catch them to kill them. We catch them to count them. Again, in the intervention area and then outside the intervention area to compare the reduction rate of mosquito. And then even more important is to count malaria cases if you reduce malaria cases. And what are the results? So in Ghana, this is the first time we did end-to-end trial, and then the results of mosquito reduction is amazing. As I, as I said, it's more than 60%. We still have the, the malaria results because they collect them in lag. That sounds good. Like 60% seems to be a lot. Yeah. 60% is a lot because it says that every month you we call it R0. R0 is the transmission rate. It's reduced by, by 60%. It's actually linear in that area. And what time frame is that 60% reduction over, Arnon? It's 100 days, so it's less than four months. Now we start our most ambitious operation, which is about malaria elimination, really elimination to zero. And for that, we collaborate with the government of South Oman Principe. So South Oman Principe is two islands, and this is sovereign country in West Africa. And... Because it's island, so it's closed system. Yes, you don't have a, a, a coming mosquito. Mosquitoes don't go out. And then a, a, we want in two years to target the water bodies, but not only target the body, water bodies, also integrate other interventions in smart area together with artificial intelligence planning to understand also where to do what and then to eliminate the disease. If that will happen, it opens us the opportunity to come to bigger countries and offer them malaria elimination. And malaria elimination, as we started, will save many people and will increase the, the economy. So, yes, yeah, so people today understand that if you eliminate malaria from countries, the impact on the GDP, on the economy, will be a, a, like more than 10% in a few years. No, it's agriculture, it's tourism, it's, it's education, it's everything. Can you talk a little bit more about it? So obviously there is an imminent uh, health healthcare cost or healthcare impact of malaria, right? Uh, but you mentioned at the beginning that it drives poverty. It has economic implications. So the sad thing about malaria and actually about many things in our world that it impacts the poor people more than it impacts the, the rich people, yes? So you have more malaria in, in poor villages that from the 
good neighborhoods in the cities. You, you have malaria everywhere, but more in the uh, village area. Or, or, for example, in India, you have malaria more in some uh, tribes, in, in the mountains, uh, rather than the uh, whole population. Then it attacks poor communities, and then it don't let them go out of their, their poverty, because it's difficult to, to go forward. Yeah, you cannot work when you get sick and so on. Yeah. So how did you get in touch with XPRIZE? Did they reach out to you or did you apply through the program? How did it work? In the competition every year, uh, we submit a technical report about which algorithms we use, why we use them, what is the performance, everything. Uh, and then each year, uh, only few of the companies uh, uh, con continued and the other based on the, so the judges looked at the technical reports. And not only that, they also sent judges to uh, be with us in Ethiopia so that they can really see what we do. The whole competition was very, the, the judging process was very rigorous and, and we shared with them our code. And then the last part was not by the judges. It was by a jury, which is composed. They didn't tell who are they, who are the people that decide who will win the competition, who will be the second and third place. They chosen us and also the, the crowd. So we won the competition, but we also uh, won the, uh, the crowd category because many people voted for us. And I believe the reason is, uh, I hope that because of two reasons, that I'm very happy that people care about disease that happened elsewhere because we know that, we know that people in Africa voted for us. We know it for sure. But we also know that people in Europe and the US and Israel voted for us, even they don't experience malaria. And this is something we believe it's a good sign for the world. Countries really care about each other. And also, I think because of our field, we were in the field, we have evidence, and this is very important to the judges. The competition was not only about technology, but about showing impact and about demonstrating future impact. What was it like when they announced you as the winner of the three million dollar prize? Were you surprised? <laughs> How did it feel? I was surprised. I, I told my friends that I'm sure I will be second. I was really, really, you know, kind of have. A, a, I don't know why I was so sure, but I was sure. And then when they told that I that we were the first, I, I just smiled like like an idiot. And then <laughs> a, 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 my wife was in the other room and also a friend in, in the team. And they came and just uh, kissed me and hugged me and everything. Uh, and then I realized that something happy just uh, happened. And what difference will that make to you now, that, that large sum of money? What are you planning to do? First thing, we hope to use this money to attract more money. The money, we will use it for one important thing, is the operation in Sao Tome. We really hope to eliminate malaria in this country. This will be a revolution because never it happened that country in Central Africa eliminated malaria. This is one thing. And the second thing is to take our technology and artificial intelligence and protocols and biology understanding to just enlarge the team and do everything better and just take, take the product further. What's happening in terms of more widespread adoption across Africa? Are you hoping that one day this will be across the whole of Africa or is, there, is that a challenging thing to scale to that degree? So for us, 
it is not challenging. Yes, it's software, basically. It's not very difficult to scale. So it's about the Ministry of Health. Yes, if countries in Africa will adopt the system, it will just happen. And by the way, if one country uh, use it, they help not only to themselves, but also to the neighboring countries because mosquitoes, you know, they don't believe in boundaries. So yes, I really hope to see it across the continent, not only Africa, also South America, where you have malaria and in India. We must do our best to eliminate this disease. I think it's very strange that we're, you know, in the 21st century and we still have such disasters happening. So, so people, you know, now we had 18 months of corona and, and, and we know how difficult it is. So why we, we allow such disease to, to persist for decades or a century or more? We must, must stop it. Yeah, because most of the deaths are in children, isn't that right? Yes, children under five is most of the death, and they're also pregnant women. And you see varying estimates. What would you put the estimates of number of people per year affected by malaria? I, I don't have like better estimate than the World Health Organization, which is about 400,000 people. In last year, it grew like in 15% or so, because of COVID. So because of COVID, organization did not have the chance to give people more bed nets. And also the health clinics were less uh, available for people. And sadly, it, it increased uh, the malaria. So you worked a lot in this field of malaria prevention now the last couple of years. Are there any other organizations that you would want to mention that, that uh, work on different approaches, maybe tackling the same problem? If we will improve the available vaccine, it will be amazing. And, and some teams try to do so. Uh, some try to do so based on mRNA technology. And some try to just take the existing vaccine and with few modifications just enhance its uh, capability. And other people try to do so with engineering mosquitoes. Uh, so they want to uh, uh, put genes in the mosquito that will, uh, uh, the mosquito itself will have a drug against malaria, and then the mosquito will not be infectious. This is very uh, uh, innovative approach. If it will happen, it will be first time in history where humanity just take species from nature and just replace it in other species with different genes. This is interesting efforts that happen, but it's still, uh, uh, still people try to understand how to do it in terms of technology and also the safety of this method. And then uh, recently the WHO came with new methods of how to test the safety of such methods. Uh, if people want to support you, what can they do? I don't want people to support us. I want people to support uh, a malaria, malaria NGOs. And so, for example, uh, uh, Malaria No More and Only Nets are, are two good NGOs that really save many, many people. If you buy, for example, 10 bed nets, it costs $40 and potentially save life. So why not? And where can people find out more about your work and about Zap Malaria? Yeah, our site is zapmalaria.com. And that, I'm afraid, brings today's really fascinating conversation to a close. First of all, Arnon, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And thank you also to my co-host, Philip Diesinger, for his excellent questions. And, of course, to you for listening. 
Do check out the other X Prize episodes on our podcast website at datascienceconversations.com. And if you did enjoy the show, then please do leave us a review on your podcasting platform. And we look forward to having you with us on the next episode. Thank you very much.